Welcome to Star Wars Action News, your source for Star Wars collecting news, reviews, and convention coverage, hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. Helping Star Wars collectors collect better. Be sure to check out our website at SWActionNews.com, where you can see photos of the items discussed, chat with other listeners, find links to our Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube pages, support our Podbean crowdfunding campaign, and much more. Star Wars Action News, covering the whole galaxy of Star Wars toys. Hello and welcome to Star Wars Action News. And now we're taking a look back at 2017 toys. This is Marjorie. This is Arnie, and we've got a crew of collectors joining us. Guys, introduce yourselves. Andrew? Hey everybody, Andrew here, and yes, I am still a Hot Toys addict. Daryl? Hello, I'm here, waiting for the next con. Curtis? Hello everybody from the photo editing side of Marvelicious Toys and Star Wars Action News. Hey guys, this is Jerry here, your Vintage Viewpoint host, and I guess I haven't had a lot of viewpoints lately, but uh, happy to be here to review 2017. Hi everybody, this is Chris, Jedi Yoda 7 on the forums, and your friendly Yoda collector. Hey, Justin from Marvelicious, and I'm here with my other six-inch figures to play with. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, it's Matt from uh, This Week in Star Wars, and I can't believe this was actually a year that we had celebration. It seems like it was like two years ago. It does. I was actually saying that to Marjorie. I'm like, wait, was there a celebration this year? I thought it was last year. It's weird that... I'm, like, ready, I think, for a celebration next year. <laughs> it feels it's, so well, long it's gonna ago. It's going to be 2019. Right, but because I thought it was last year, uh, I thought it would be happening again in 2018. F- Force Friday makes it feel like the start of a fiscal year that, like, resets all of our clock. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 I think it actually is for Hasbro. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, let's just kind of go down the line and... General thoughts about how collecting has been for you guys. I'll say for me, it's been a weird year. I'm still keeping up with everything Hasbro, but I find myself, as they release more, I become a little bit more selective. I'm really looking hard at space and money, and it's not that I'm not collecting, but I'm certainly refocusing a little bit. I think Marjorie could agree with that. I'm buying a little bit less of the Walmart greeters and a little bit more of the hot toys and fig yards and the nicer collectibles. What about you guys? Again, we'll kind of go the same order. Andrew? This year is really the first year where uh, my pocketbook is really starting to feel the weight of a new Star Wars movie every year. Um... Uh, and on top of that, um, having a, another baby this year um, really has me looking at how I'm spending my money and, and what uh, collectibles I'm going to be focusing on. And I have had those moments where I start to think maybe I should get out of the Hot Toys game because those are expensive and uh, whoa, they take whoa, up a whoa. lot of space. Gown is up. Dogs and cats living together. Wait, what? <laughs> I, 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 uh, I didn't say that I have jumped off the train yet, but uh, it's it's starting to I'm starting to feel the weight on the shoulders. So uh, we'll we'll see what what happens in in 2018. Uh, 
the the problem is is every time they announce a new one i think ah, i don't really need it and then i you know look at pictures of it and then i'm like yeah it's so cool looking i need to get it because if i don't get it then it's gonna you know i'm gonna miss out on it and i don't want that to be the one figure that i don't have and so it's it's a whole big um issue that i have uh <laughs> with my then, conscience but uh and they yeah, can buy been, four <laughs> thankfully i haven't started doing that yet um but uh it's it's been an interesting year uh, uh, it's hard for me to to get out and shop um uh, like i used to uh now that our family has grown uh i'm at home a lot more and not out and about as often and so that's kind of also slowed down i've been doing a lot more online shopping than actually going out on on toy hunts um which from what I hear, isn't uh, that different from other people because they can't find anything in stores anyway, unless it is Force Friday. Yeah, that's kind of the reverse for me. I had been ordering everything by the case for so often, but there were so many carry forwards in the cases. Marjorie's really done a ton of store runs this year, probably more store runs this year than the past five years put together. Yeah, and it's always fun to do those. I, I do like going and searching for the toys, but by and large, it's been hard to find toys in the stores. Chris, how about you? So, we, you know, every year we do this year in review call, and I think we talk about space, and this year's no different. I actually sold off some prequel stuff uh, before Celebration, and I'm still toying with the idea of selling off some more stuff. I just haven't had the chance to go through, just because I'm trying to focus on what I really love because I am starting to get into that limited space and also I want to be able to display as much as I possibly can and not have it look too cluttered. Um, so that's kind of where, where I'm at. I have collected, you know, this year, the stuff that's that's come out, um, mostly Hasbro. Uh, I have gotten a couple other things. Uh, I did dip my toe in the Hot Toys arena. Uh, well, I guess that was last year, but I got it this year. So mostly Hasbro. What Hot Toys did you get? Oh, of course I got Yoda. Ah. <laughs> Daryl, how about you? I've definitely enjoyed kind of going out to the stores again and seeing most of the Hasbro product out there. Uh, you know, maybe not as soon as it's hitting everywhere else, but it's it's fun to go to the store again and kind of get in those old toy runs that you used to have. Uh, I haven't picked up a whole lot Hasbro-wise. There's been a few figures here and there that are kind of, uh, you know, up my alley with the, the three and three-quarter Emperor throne room set that just came out and the the Royal Guard four-pack that was at GameStop. So I picked those up. Um, but kind of like you, Arnie, I'm kind of venturing into those other areas that they have out there, those other lines. Uh, and, of course, the, the Disney machine is definitely churning out and licensing a lot more now. So there's an even bigger pool to kind of get through to kind of search and go through everything and find something that you do like in the way of collecting. Yeah, it's really it's been a hard break for me. And I don't mean that as in I made a hard break. I mean, it's been difficult for me to be like, no, I don't need the box of Wheaties that has Kylo Ren in the corner. Jerry, what about you? Well, 2017 has been a very uh, interesting year for me on a collecting perspective. Really, I guess I've been doing this a little bit for, for several years, but the last two or three years has been pretty hardcore of me actually really just selling off a, a significant portion of my collection. Um, this year, I 
sold off all of my carded, you know, Hasbro vintage figures that they did, what, in 2013, 14, whenever they started doing those. I got rid of all my six-inch Black Series, which wasn't a lot to begin with. I even sold off a lot of vintage items, and it's... uh, it has been way more getting rid of than accumulating this year. Although I, I actually was able, I mean, it, it, it's relatively small enough that I was actually able to, at the best of my knowledge, make a list of like 18 things I've actually bought this year from a star Wars perspective. And there's maybe five or six, three and three quarter inch figures, but then there's a few um, interesting little tidbits like, you know, getting into, you know, I've got into some of the fantasy flight game stuff this year um obviously picked up you know i picked up battlefront 2 and um you know soundtracks and things like that and but it's been a very very different year for me way more selling than buying and not a not a huge focus on toys although if there's a a a really well done original trilogy character figure item out there like the the probe droid they made this year i thought was excellent and i made sure to get that um little things like that but it is it's the exception i'm picking up one or two things here and there and 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 not much else why the reduction for you i mean i know for me it's not been reduced so much as refocused but it sounds like you're really stepping back from the game yes actually you 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 can say that and for me it is more of a looking forward to what's going to be coming my way in the next few years which is things like uh, you know, I've got a kid who's a junior in high school. He's going to be going to college soon. I've you know had to had to buy a third car le- last year because he's driving now, and insurance for that, and just you know some of the more grown up things. I'm like, hey, you know, college is going to be really expensive, and I, you know, I don't want I don't want four or five thousand dollars a year, let's say, going into toys when that that can be a huge help to. Uh, new expensive expenses that life's going to be bringing my way. So I mean, a lot of a lot of the refocus is just getting the the priorities a little bit better lined up, and and you know, an added space always helps too. I mean, when you look at when I look at what my storage in my basement looks like now versus what it did ten years ago, it is amazingly reduced. I mean, probably all of what I really have in my collection is now in my office room, just on display, and that's like the best of the best and everything else can go. And, and that's really, uh, really the key of it for me. Well, that's really cool, actually. I mean, as somebody who is emperor of Boxistan, having everything that I own displayed again would really be welcome. <laughs> Justin, how about you? Uh, I mean, you know, year over year, my my love for collecting you know, it, it like most of us, it started with the three and three quarter inch stuff. And that that flame has slowly died out in me, but it's been fully resurrected by the six inch line. I've I've just been loving what they're doing over there. I mean, not every figure is a home run, but they are definitely improving wave over wave with what they're doing and getting a sneak peek at some of these new digital scans and digital paint apps that they're going to be doing on some figures going forward has me really excited about what they can do with that line. And, you know, right when I get comfortable with that being my focus, we know that the vintage line is coming back this year. So that's probably going to pull me back into three and three quarter inch a little bit more. But I think, I think for me, the, the weirdest thing about this last year was I, I kind of joined the collecting community in a different way. I, I started contributing to it as, as somebody putting product on the market, you know, so that 
that kind of gave me a new lookout or an outlook on on kind of the the toy industry a little bit and not just being part of it being part of the problem i guess as well and matt tell us about your collecting well um since hasbro has pretty much made you know their offerings a a half year event they sort of take the first half of every year off now you know that allowed me to you know concentrate on that after force friday and you know most of it's in the store so that's kind of easy and uh the rest of the year i can you know i filled out my vintage collection this year and completed that run and some holes in my home video collection so you know it's sort of uh the tale of two years you know hunting for hard to find stuff and then spending a year a half a year doing toy runs yeah that's kind of been brought up a couple times just question for the group how much are you buying online versus in stores? I'm still mostly buying online, I find, but when it comes to the Hasbro stuff, I've been far more in stores. I know Andrew came down and we had a blast just blowing the bank on Force Friday 2. I've made two in-store purchases this year. What were they? How do you know them? <laughs> How do you know the number? Uh, they're right in front of me. Uh, three, if you count a pre-order that finally shipped from Sideshow. Uh, Force Friday, I picked up an original trilogy Stormtrooper because I never saw one when they were originally released. And then when it went on deep clearance, I picked up the 40th anniversary Vader set with the stands. So those are the two in-store purchases. I've definitely moved more this year towards in-store purchases. It also helps that I think Matt hit it on the head. You know, it's a six-month event with Hasbro, but it also helps that we're seeing more of this product making it to retail than maybe we did with The Force Awakens. So it's not overly hard to find. I thought for sure that Moz Wave was going to be hard, and I've seen it everywhere. The Praetorian Guard, I could have picked it up a dozen times. So I've kind of shifted, and part of that is because of the horrible case assortments where I just don't want to deal with having to get rid of extra figures so i've been doing a lot more in store now i'll look online and if i think something is going to be tough i'll go ahead and get it online but i've also found that sarah and i have actually had a, a lot of fun this year actually going back and doing toy runs again you know we used to do that all the time where we'd get in the car on a saturday and we'd go all day and you knew you'd find something and that's the way it's been and it's more fun and i think more satisfying uh, than, than just clicking a button and having it shipped to your house when it's in stock. You know, for me, because my collecting has changed so much, so I'm not doing toy runs, I'm not going into the store on my way home from work just to see what they've got, the things I'm picking up are things that I run into when I'm there already. So uh, just actually about a week and a half ago, I happened to be in Target for another reason, went through the, the Star Wars aisle. And, and by the way, I, I, I have been really impressed how the selection of figures has been since the Force Awakens toys come out, I, I kind of feel like if there's any figure you've been looking for with a little effort, you should have been able to find it. And and I the figure I actually picked up a week and a half ago was the uh, was the uh, the Leia from uh, uh, the Last Jedi, and that's not a figure that I would have ever put down on a list that I would have bought. But when I saw it, I, I picked it up. And when I went out for Force Friday, you know, I did still go out because I like to check out the the scene and the action and just what's going on on a, a release day. Now it turns out that no store in my area was doing force Friday. So I had to go back out the next morning. And the only figure I told myself I wanted to buy that if I could have gotten the three and three quarter inch Luke, I was going to pick him up. And I did find him at a GameStop. And I thought 
yeah, hey, you know what? That Luke and Leia would, would, would go really well together. Um, so the only things I've ordered online have been no toys. I mean, I've ordered things like the the Rogue One soundtrack on vinyl. You know, I think that, that actually came out, and I think, in 2017. Didn't get released right with the release of the movie. Came out a little bit later. So, you know, things like that that you wouldn't expect to find in stores, that that I'm ordering online. But the actual toys, yeah, I'm, I've just, you know, the seven or eight action figures I've actually bought in 2017 have been pretty much toy purchases. Or, I'm, I'm sorry, they've pretty much been store purchases. Yeah, I mean, I had been conditioned from like 2011 through 2014 to order online if you wanted to know you were going to get it. And I'm finally, you know, confident that, you know, that's not necessary now. And they're good. It, if you're patient, you'll find it in the stores. What about the 40th anniversary collection? I mean, Justin talked about getting into the toy market. He started by creating figure cases specifically for the 40th anniversary six inch carded figures. And those I did order online. I mean, wave two was near impossible to find. And other than Han and R2, finding the first wave in good condition was a real chore for me. If I didn't order online, I don't think I'd have had a full set. Yeah, that was that was one case this year. I mean, not literally one case, one instance where pre-ordering was probably the best way to go. It, it was hit and miss all year long. I mean, the crazy thing is, is right now, some of those initial wave figures are going super cheap at places. You can log on to Walmart right now and pick up Leia, Luke, and I think Obi-Wan for under $10. I mean, your your condition will probably not be the best. But yeah, that second wave, rumors are, and so far, you know, hopefully they'll be shipping here at the end of January, if not sooner, that they went back into production on those. I came to that line very late and decided I wanted to collect it. But in my area, no one ever saw the second wave. I've got a group on Instagram in the area, and no one saw them. So I've been picking them up loose, playing the, the real long game, getting them cheap, cheap, and loose because I'm an opener. That's how I like them, is cheap and loose. <laughs> <laughs> you going to take that, Marjorie? Um, he's not talking about me. <laughs> That's clearly the second wife. <laughs> That's the line that really frustrated me, uh, because it was, I don't know if it was that they sold that well, or if it was just that they didn't ship as much as they should have for the demand. But I was able to find like most people in that first wave, basically everything, but the, uh, the R2 and Han Solo, and then the second wave, I I found the uh, Death Squad Commander and the Jawa in good condition, so I picked those up. But the I I think it's because the size of them, those card backs just get annihilated when they're on the pegs too long, or they get beat up in the shipping carton. Because I found the rest of Wave Two once at, at a Walmart. But I, there was no way I was picking up because they were just battered beyond belief. And it was just so frustrating that I finally found them, but they weren't in a good enough condition for me to actually pick them up. I, I thought about it. I was like, oh, I might not ever see them again. This might be the best I'll ever get. But I just I couldn't do it because they were all 
creased and the bubbles were smashed and the uh, figures were uh, not fully secured inside the the bubble. So I I left them on the shelf, but it was just really frustrating because I had finally found the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, only to find that it was full of tar and not gold. I will say professionally that Hasbro did put effort in making those card backs, the, the actual paperboard of the, the blister card. They did increase the uh, the basis weight and the caliper of those boards. And I'm in, I'm actually surprised that they were that damaged. I mean, they, they put some effort in beefing that up. Maybe they didn't beef up the shipping container enough, or maybe there's too much slop in the case or something. To, the, the damage on that, or, may, or maybe that card is just too wide given the bubble, but they they did increase the, the grade of paperboard they made that with, and I, I was kind of surprised that so many of them ended up like that. People must have just been drop-kicking those cases like Ace Ventura style. Well, I think that there's someone on this call that can help everyone out with how to keep their 40th anniversary figures nice and pristine once they have them in their possession. <laughs> but the, I think Wait, the trick who, is, who? is finding them in good condition first. Yeah. Yes. You know? <laughs> See, Hasbro needs to buy from you direct and ship them that way. The the, the first round of vintage repro cards they did in, golly, when was that? Um, 07? 04? Yeah, that's right. 04, 05 yeah. they did with the, yeah. the DVD release. That was, that was beautiful because... That's exactly what they did, and I think it was part of what helped them charge like twelve ninety nine for them when that was unheard of, absolutely unheard of. So, so Justin, give them a good rate, good bulk discount, and hey, Hasbro, sell them for twenty four ninety nine. People would probably appreciate that. Heck yeah, call me Hasbro. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, with the fortieth anniversary, I'm an opener. So for me, I wanted one to keep on the card to kind of represent the line in a six inch. And I really wanted a Han Solo. I was never able to find one in stores. And every time I would try and order online, I missed the boat. Um, I'm kind of glad I missed the boat online because I've heard horror stories of Walmart shipping them with big stickers across them and they were arriving mangled. So I ended up, the one that I ended up having to represent the line is the Vader. Uh, The other ones that I picked up, the R5D4, and then I, I did get part of the Wave 2 that they hadn't already done, the Death Squad Commander, Jawa, and Sand Person. Those I picked up and opened them. I know they're coming later, but I wanted them now. Did everyone that wanted one get the Celebration exclusive Luke X-Queen? Yes. yes. Did anyone not? I was I was able to get it while I was there. I told that story in our Celebration coverage. I was lucky enough to just walk up at the right time and walk right up. I was able to get on Hasbro Toy Shop when they went up for that brief moment, and the one that I got was nice and dinged up, but Andrew was nice enough to offer me his extra one, and that came in very, very nice condition. Happy to help. Thank you very much. I had a nightmare with UPS where they decided to take my Luke's in the giant package, you know, it's got the bigger card back, and bundle it together in bubble wrap with a three and three quarter inch figure. <gasps> oh. Yeah. And they wrapped it really tight. So like the loop mm. card bent over the three and three quarter inch card. And let's just say I'm a little persistent and the guy probably thinks I'm really nasty and maybe I'm one of those nasty women. But I got every single bit of the money I insured for that back as well as the shipping refunded. The one here in Orlando? Yep. The one at the Hilton. Yeah. What about the Hascon Rex? Did everybody get that who wanted it? No. No, you didn't? 
I missed the boat on that one. How fast did they go? I mean, everybody probably knows by this point, I drove 40 Ooh. hours to get one. But... <laughs> <laughs> I thought you went 40 hours to meet Chewbacca mom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I didn't. I had a better chance of meeting Florida than <laughs> meeting Chewbacca mom. <laughs> but I didn't, because I got him at the con, I didn't pay attention. How fast did they go online? That one was online for the better part of an hour, if not a little bit more than an hour. It, it shocked me. <laughs> okay, I thought we were going to say a day or a week. Okay, better part of an hour. <laughs> no, but it shocked me because when those went up, I was like, well, I'm going to get Rex first and then I'll go back and get the Deadpool. Uh, Deadpool was gone within 10 minutes of it Whoa. going up on Hasbro Toy Shop and never seen again. So, yeah, you just never know with those exclusives. Same con, same pool of collectors essentially but one was more readily available than the other i guess i'm still miffed that i missed out on the uh, celebration thron though that that packaging and all the extra comic-con right comic-con thron oh was it comic-con Comic-Con, yeah oh yeah that one that one was on my wish list and yeah that thing went within seconds like I remember I got it. Um, I don't remember who somebody um, sent out a text to all of us saying, Hey, it's up on uh, Hasbro toy shop. And like, I hopped on right away and got in by the time I got on, it was already gone. Speaking of that, how, how do you guys feel about the way they've been treating exclusives and con exclusive lately? It, it almost seems like you're getting a deluxe version of a figure that's coming out later. I mean, Thrawn same figure came out, on Force Friday, just without all the the cool extra stuff in the packaging. Same with Luke's Land Speeder, slightly different paint app. You know, I mean, it, and it just seems like that's the way they've been doing it. It's like here's here's exclusive packaging and a slightly different thing to make you upset that you don't have it. I think it's kind of cool that you're not not getting a character. I know that when I went out for Force Friday, Thrawn was the one that so many people outside Target were talking about and searching for. And so if you're in for Thrawn, you're still able to get a Thrawn. You just don't get all the accessories. And the Ray and Luke, those things, God, they might still be available on Hasbro Toy Shop because all that was was a box. And I think people can do without that. The one that kind of hurt, in my mind, the one that I felt was a must-have is the Land Speeder because it had the better paint apps and the moving motor and just if you're going to have a six-inch Land Speeder, that's the one to have. I like the fact that they're kind of they're just giving you some accessories so you can still get the figure. One of the most frustrating things with cons before was they would do a figure that was high demand for fans that would be harder to get because you know you weren't at the con and then it would go up online and if. If you were at the wrong place at the wrong time and couldn't get to your computer or your phone or whatever, you missed out and then would have to pay some crazy amount of money. So I like it from that standpoint. Um, that being said, I've made some decisions. Like I was lucky enough to have uh, help getting the land speeder and the Thrawn from San Diego. And I made the decision, okay, since I have the San Diego version, I'm not going to go after the regular version of Luke Speeder. Um, so you have those kind of decisions that still need to be made. I think some people went and got both versions because they are different, which is kind of cool if you want to collect both. Um, but I like what they're doing. I think, though, you know, when you see that Thrawn, it is a little bit of a kick in the pants because the accessories are really well thought out and the packaging on that is, is absolutely gorgeous. So the thought that Hasbro put into it is nice. 
and I'm sure that more fans would buy them if they could get their hands on them. But it's kind of a nice thing, too, for the people that attend the con, or if you're, in my case, lucky enough to have someone help you out. It's a nice thing to have. Um, so I guess it's a double-edged sword is kind of what I'm saying in, in short. Right, and it's been sort of hit and miss for them. I mean, I guess the very first one they ever did was the Boba Fett with the extra stuff, including the Han and Carbonite. So they've been doing this. That everybody loved, and then they did Obi-Wan with a table that nobody seemed to really care about, and it's it's it's, it's character selection is all that matters. But, I mean, I understand why they do it, because they don't have to produce a special figure. But um, I, mean, I, I think it's it's fine. I mean, it's, it's a... If, if they're going to make it a habit every year to do a deluxe version of a figure, go for it. Yeah, I just think about how mad some people are still that the only way to get the Han Solo and Carbonite was that first San Diego Comic-Con package. And that is, in Hasbro's mind, an accessory, but in a lot of people's mind, it's a character. I agree, the Thrawn package was gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. But, uh, you know, I just, I'd rather have them do that than characters you won't get anywhere else the hascon rex they're doing a mainline rex it's not the same rex but you know you're still going to get a clone wars rex my feeling is though they should increase the numbers a little bit i was surprised that that thrawn sold out so fast on hasbrotoyshop.com and then you go to hascon and you could have picked one up friday or up until about noon on saturday yeah i'm also happy that they don't do like the giant multi-packs like they used to or that they still do for some of the the Marvel line and stuff like that, because it just seems like a lot of those are necessarily the packaging only. So I'm kind of glad they're staying away from those. What about just the rest of the figures this year? I mean, we started off the year finishing off the Rogue One figures, then we did some just original trilogy, and then, yeah, we had the 40th anniversary over the summer, and ended with three waves of The Last Jedi. What are some standout figures for each of you? I know they were hard to get, but that Chirrut and Bays in the six-inch line was pretty sweet. I was going to say Chirrut and the Praetorian Guard, uh, that and the Amazon Praetorian Guard. I just like the design of those those figures. And I think I'm going to steal Jerry's and go back with that probe droid and even the Rathtar pack that was really <laughs> missing from the force awakens those deluxe sets were really good yeah i agree that pro droid was must have and um yeah like i said earlier the luke and leia i think you know even i actually i think the leia had a, a much better face sculpt than any of the force awakens versions uh i'd seen the the leia three and three quarter inch um, black series walmart one and i told myself when i just saw the pictures or knew it was coming out that i'd, I'd pick that one up and then i just I couldn't buy it. I was just like, ah, that's that's not a great figure, but just the normal, um, normal uh, Last Jedi version, I think, is actually a, a really nice figure. And I, I like the outfit from the movie too, so that helps. And then I, this may technically be 2016, but I literally saw it for the first time three weeks ago at an actual Walmart. But the the three and three quarter inch Black Series, um, you know, the uh, super articulated, multi point articulated uh, Death Trooper was actually a figure that I had wanted to pick up and just never saw. I think anything except the Jin. I think Jin and maybe Cassian were the only two figures from that line that I actually personally saw in a Walmart. And again, I, I'm not going to the stores like I used to, but I, I literally saw the Death Trooper for the first time in a Walmart like three weeks ago, and I bought two of them just because I was like, hey, I really liked Rogue One. I liked the just the, the, the articulation on that figure and the weapons it comes with works really well on that figure for me. 
Walmart has really had trouble with that line. Like just even keeping what with what they were supposed to put out when. I've been seeing a lot of reports of people finding, yeah, like scarif troopers that were scarce before the, you know, Ponda Baba and Proto Fet Wave are hitting stores now. I was at a Walmart just before Christmas and they had a huge display with, you know, there must have been 30 Imperial or Emperor's Royal Guards in there and a whole bunch of gins and a whole bunch of other hard to find ones. So they somebody at Walmart dropped the ball on distribution of that that line. But it's historically been bad on that line because I remember in, was it 2016 in the summer walking into a Walmart in Podunk, Illinois and finding just like all the figures and multiples that everyone had been looking for. Like they shipped them to this one Walmart down in Southern Illinois and they were like, I, f- I forgot the character. Oh, the Phasmas. Remember everyone is after the Phasma in that line. And I walked in and there's like six on the peg in this Walmart and it's nuts. And I was like texting. I had to go to the front of the store to text people because there's no signal. That's how far in the middle of nowhere we were. And I-, I think I got one for you, Justin. And I think I got some other stuff for people because they were all here. And every other Walmart I stopped at that weekend, not a- any of them. Yeah. And then, you know, flash forward to, three months later and Phasma's get, you know, gathering dust on the pegs. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's really weird how, how they did that line. And I guess what I'm, I'm hoping is, is that really is an issue with Walmart and not an issue with overproducing, underproducing numbers in the three and three quarter inch line and something that they have figured out before the vintage line comes back. Yeah. I think that a lot of it was in my anecdotal experience that Some figures didn't sell through, pegs got clogged, and then you never saw the later waves. I wouldn't have Royal Guards if it wasn't for Walmart.com and a friend Nick in New Jersey. It's the only way I was able to get those. And yes, everything I ordered from from Walmart.com came with a giant, I'm talking like three and a half inch square sticker slapped on it that I have about a 75% success rate of removing without tearing the box. It was funny on those two because what we saw is when they came, you know, when they came out or at the beginning of last year, they were what, 12 bucks? And then they dropped them after Christmas last year to ridiculous rates. I mean, I was able to pick up the gin, the Cassian, and a couple others that I got lucky to find for, you know, five to seven dollars. And then as soon as we got close to The Last Jedi, they raised the rate back up to 12 bucks. You know, before we get too far away from from really good Hasbro figures this year, the Snoke on his throne from GameStop was a very impressive figure. I really appreciated what they did with with the whole, you know, almost getting an environment going there because the base connects with the Kylo Ren that's exclusive to Walmart. So that's, you, you almost get a diorama for the price of two figures. Well, the price of four figures is the way they're charging <laughs> on them. But. <laughs> Has anyone taken, because I have it, I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Has anyone taken out of the box? Does Snoke actually come in half? Not yet, but uh, my customizing table tells me that he will soon. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're seeing, saying is, you know, your saw is going to yep. take care He's of it. He's going to yep. get dremeled, for sure. <laughs> I might pick up an extra one in the regular packaging to do that with, because I'm like, I want to display it like that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, my favorite exclusive had to be the GameStop Royal Guard pack, though. The GameStop Barnes & Noble, where you get the Senate Guard, the Royal Guard... I loved the Praetorian Guards in The Last Jedi. I thought they were pretty badass at how each one had some slightly distinctive armor and distinctive weapons. And my hope is that Hasbro gives me all eight of those. Now, 
can we clear this up? I don't have the visual dictionary yet, but from what I can tell, there's three different helmets, but there's six total Praetorian guards. So I think there's two of each pair, but they had different weapons from from guard to guard. Aren't there eight? I thought there were eight, eight Praetorian guards. Yeah, there's eight standing there, but I think some of them have duplicate weapons. Yeah, yep, there are duplicate weapons, and there's also duplicate helmets. So are there three helmets or four helmets altogether? Do we know that? I'm looking at the visual guide here, and it shows three helmets. Okay, so we need three bodies and then a slew of weapons. We have three uh, versions because you have the Amazon version, you have the version that came in the um, the Black Series uh, on its own, and then you have the one that's coming in the or has come in the four pack. Exactly. All right, that is awesome. I didn't realize how similar they were. I don't think, though, the only weapon that I don't think we have yet is the the whip-like weapon. I think one of the... Uh, if you want that one, you can get that from Figuarts. Yes. I think Figuarts did a very nice version of that mm-hmm. one. Do you have that one in hand, Justin? I do. That's that. You know, when when all these came out, they 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 kind of made it difficult to make a choice because it seemed like every place that was selling them was like, "Hey, get this three pack," or you can get them individually. But if you get Kylo Ren and this one, we'll give you one of the BB units. <laughs> so it, you know, I didn't want to get everything and all of them, so I ended up getting the one that came with the Executioner Stormtrooper and that Praetorian Guard with the the kind of chain link whip. Does it like? have a wire in it or in some way can you pose that whip in action scenes uh sad to say this is just rubbery plastic that's painted there's no there's no wire in it that's kind of a bummer yeah i was i was kind of hoping you'd be segmented and poseable i don't know i'm hoping for too much but to talk about andrew's obsession those praetorian hot toys guards look really 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 sharp yes they do uh, and to answer everybody's question, I know that they're, you know, asking, uh, I am not buying enough to have eight Praetorian guards. That's just not going to happen. No, no, no. I will have two. I will have buy one of each. And if, yeah, that's, yeah, nope, can't do it. One of each. And then if the deluxe two pack that has the extra accessories, so that's four, well, and that's halfway no, there. No, 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 The deluxe <laughs> two pack has two, so I will therefore have two when I buy the deluxe two pack. That's really my rule with with hot toys. Is if there's if if there's you know like it started with the stormtroopers. There was the short stormtrooper, the tall stormtrooper, and then there was the two pack that you know had both. Well, I'm I'm not gonna buy the individuals plus the two pack just so that I can have the different packaging, I guess I am just going to buy the two pack. It gets me everything I need plus a little extra. Cause they always have some sort of extra pack in. Andrew, That's where I draw the line. Be like me. No. I bought the two pack of the Chitauri's uh-huh. and then I bought each individual Chitauri. I, I, uh, and then two years later people. when they were on clearance, he bought more Chitauri's. <laughs> 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 I do have, like, nine Chitauri. <laughs> you need all eight Praetorian guards so I can live vicariously through you. Uh, you can still live vicariously through me. Uh, you just have to use your imagination in that. <laughs> or maybe what I'll do is I'll just line my shelves with a bunch of mirrors so it looks like there's eight Praetorian guards on one shelf when there's really only two figures there. Ooh, that would be cool. So, kind of going into Hot Toys with that conversation... I know, Chris, you got a Yoda. 
I got a Yoda and I was, I feel very lucky. Marjorie wrapped me in tinfoil so that I could get a free Captain Phasma hot toy. But those are the only two hot toys I got this year. I also did get the Sideshow 1-6th Han and Carbonite. I think I ordered that last year. It just shipped this year. I'm actually a little bit disappointed in it because you guys remember they did the Return of the Jedi Han and Carbonite seven years ago or eight? Oh, yeah. That was a hefty chunk of polystone. That had some weight to it. This one is really hollow and light and feels a lot cheaper. But what about you guys? What have you gotten in the sixth scale realm? It'd be quicker for me to say what I haven't gotten. What are your highlights? My highlights? Uh, Okay, so as a lot of people know, uh, my family moved uh, at the end of last year, so... One of my highlights actually came at the end of of last year, but I hadn't had a chance to open it yet. And that's the uh, Darth Vader, the the Rogue One Darth Vader. I love him because his cape is amazing. It's really heavy and it looks really authentic. Uh, I was really afraid that it was going to be this lightweight material, um, but it's so heavy and it just hangs so perfectly. I just, I love, love, love that figure. The Yoda is also really good, but I will let Chris talk about that some more uh, since that's his forte. And then the, uh, from Rogue One, the Jin Erso, um, you guys talked about a little bit on the, the holiday gift guide episode, but the amount of accessories that she comes with is absolutely astonishing. And if Hot Toys wants to win me over, all they have to do is just keep adding accessories to things. Uh, because that is usually my favorite part about opening up a Hot Toy is, is uh, playing with all the accessories. And then the the K2SO is also a really, really standout figure. Um, he just looks so cool on the shelf and, uh, yeah, stands really well and, yeah, just looks looks awesome. Daryl, did you get the K2SO? I know you're K2SO focused these days. Yes, I picked him up and I agree with Andrew. He looks awesome standing there. Uh, comes with a little grenade and a blaster pistol, uh, light up features in his eyes. And yeah, he's a, he's a sweet hot toy. And Chris, you have Sideshow's Yoda as well as Hot Toys Yoda's, right? I do. So, so I have. Which is better? The Hot Toys by, by a long margin. The Yoda's got real hair on the Hot Toys. It's not real hairs in someone's hair, but they've put there some type of material that looks like his hair rather than what everyone else has done of painting it on. Um, the color on it looks better. The facial features, the ridges. It's just it's it's really hard to compare that to the Sideshow one. And that being said, the Sideshow one is nice, but the Hot Toys one is just it's it's awesome. And I paid the full price for it. And now you, I think you could still get it uh, on Sideshow site. They're running some sales where you could get it cheaper. But I have no regrets about paying full price for it. Matt, do you delve into any of the six scale figures? I have a couple. Um, and I'm trying to, I don't think I got any this year. I pre-ordered Tarkin, but he won't ship until next year. But oh, Hilda, he looks I have, so good. He looks great. Um, and I've got the... The first Vader that came out, not the Rogue One, and uh, the A New Hope Leia, and a one of the Stormtroopers, but that's it. But you know, Tarkin will sort of fill out that diorama whenever he shows up next year. Hot Toys has got me on pre-order crazy this year with Tarkin, Return of the Jedi Luke, and someone else I can't think of at the moment. 
They did get me. I ordered the BB-8, BB-9E set with the mouse droid because I wanted that BB-8. I didn't want necessarily to pay for the Ray figure and not go down the line of all the Force Awakens figures. I just really wanted a BB-8 so that they did BB-8 and BB-9E. They got me on that set. So that should be coming next year. Yeah, that's that's the one that I've been eyeballing. I've I've really slowed down on Hot Toys this year. I think I'm I'm not even sure if it was this year or the end of last year, but uh, the last one I think I got in Star Wars was the Imperial Death Trooper Specialist. That that might have been tail end of of sixteen when that one released. I also have the I only did the BB-8 individually, uh, and after seeing the Last Jedi and BB Nine E's role, I'm glad I did so, but. Mostly that one's going to be for Sarah and her BB-8 collection, but uh, a second hot toy has been ordered for the Hamilton household. Oh, come on. How great was it when BB-8 tried to pretend he was a mouse droid in a garbage can? (laughs) It was a hamper. Oh, it was a hamper? That's right. They got it in the laundry bay. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right. I have a question, and I do mean this legitimately with no ill intent. Is anybody buying Gentle Giant anymore? Yes. I'm looking for some old pieces. Exactly. Older pieces. I, I wanted to buy the Maz, but I just, even though with the reduction, uh, knowing what I used to pay for a minibus, I just can't bring myself to do it. I'm still getting a few here and there. Uh, I actually just received today the uh, K2SO Holiday Edition one, and then last week they got in Bib Fortuna, but I'm really slowing down. They've really hurt themselves with their policies and stuff of what they've done this year switching over websites and different things kind of irked me a little bit so i uh, may not join the premier guild next year but i'm still going to get a piece here and there depending on what the piece is and everything yeah i was once all i was once all in on them and this year's the first year i did not join the premier guild ever since they've had a premier guild I looked at their exclusives. There was nothing I wanted. As far as the ability to order the con exclusive early, I started to regret that after Celebration when they had a lotto system and I never was able to get anything. But everything they had at Celebration, they had at Comic-Con and I could walk right up. All I wanted was that Macquarie bust of Han Solo and $120 for a basic bust with no extra accessories and things. I really started to question if I'm going to stay in on this. Even one bust a year might be too rich for my blood at $120. I mean, that is half of a hot toy for just a little mini bust that's not posable. I'd rather put that money towards a hot toy. Yeah, I'm I'm in that line still all in, basically out of inertia. Because of all the you know time I spent 10 years ago keeping up with them. But it seems they come out with about three products a year now. You know, I can do that. But if, if they ever ramped it back up, I would probably be out because they're they have gotten too expensive. Anybody anybody on the jumbo figure line over there? I'm not all in on them, but I do get a an occasional one. The uh, Premier Guild this year uh, is an Emperor one coming up, so I had to get that one. But usually the ones I've picked up in the past have been the ones that they're kind of going out on clearance on their website, just you know picking up here and there. I think the only one I've paid full price before this has maybe been the original Boba Fett when it first came out, and then the Han and Carbonite before that. But other than that, I've picked up like the the AT-AT driver for like $40, I think, when it went on, you know, just them trying to get rid of it off their website and stuff. But yeah, the pricing there is is as ridiculous as, as some of their mini bus. I mean, that, that K2SO that I was talking about, the holiday edition, 
after shipping this time, I think it was over $160 for the deluxe mini bust. Yikes. I got out of the jumbos uh, several years ago, and that was the first line I ever got out of purely on space issues. They were just too big and took up too much room, and it was clear they were never going to stop those, so I bailed. Yeah, I picked up a few. I got Han and Carbonite. I got Greedo, but that was a line I knew was a bad road for space and money, and I'm glad that I resisted it i gotta say though at comic-con when they had every one they'd done including the wampa and everything it made for a hell of an impressive display but they took them all off the card too if that's all you had displayed you know that would be as far as space is concerned probably cool but if you're in other lines i can see how space becomes an issue with those really quickly i only have i have the yoda with the orange snake i wanted to someday go back and get the Yoda with Brown Snake and the Christmas Yoda, both of which have kind of come down a little bit in price, but I'm playing the long game on those two. But I have the one on Orange Snake, and I've debated a couple times. Do I leave him on the card or take him off? But so far, he's still on the card. I'll give him this. I love that you can take them off the card and then put them back on with no destruction. That is that is a very nice feature. What else have you guys been collecting this year? Marjorie, I know you've had a little bit of an obsession. <laughs> Turn it off! Turn it off! Turn it off! Nails on the chalkboard. Turn it off. No! It's cute. It's a I'm board. not denying it's cute. It just sounds terrible. You don't like it? I, still I just th- can't stand that noise. Oh. Ah. Sorry, I didn't mean to start. But porgs are all the rage. I think I have, except for the t-shirts, because I haven't found really too many of the t-shirts that I like yet with porgs, but I got all the plushes. I've got some fan-made stuff. I got the pops. Arnie bought me the little porg in a cup that was super cute. I think I got it all. I'm not sure. Pretty sure they got it all. What else? What what have you guys been getting? Justin, you talked about the fig arts. Are you all in on those? Oh, no, I'm definitely picky and choosy on those. But I will say the R2 and 3PO they came out with this year are some of the best figures in in almost any scale that I've I put my hands on in many years. Those are those are very impressive, especially at the, the six inch scale. You know, this isn't action figure toy related per se, but one of the odd things I kind of got into a little bit this year, particularly really just from the research and and filling a few holes, but um, Nathan P. Butler had that book come out this year, uh, a saga on home video, which is excellent book. I enjoy his YouTube series. And I've actually been going after filling a few holes in my home video collection. But one thing that I've been doing quite a bit of is taking everything I have Star Wars on VHS and and digitizing it so I can have it in my iTunes library. So that whole going through uh, and, and obviously this year we've had the release of Rogue One. Uh, there's you know, a couple of special versions of that that had the 3D that was Best Buy and Target exclusives. Uh, Walmart just came out with some new slip covers on the on the Blu-ray. So there's uh, you know, been some interesting home video type stuff that I've dabbled in uh, a little bit. You know, a couple of years ago, I remember quite a few of us and myself included got real hyped up about that Sphero BB-8. Did anybody go down that path this time with the new First Order BB unit and the, the new R2 Sphero? I went the other way. I decided when I saw those two to sell my old Sphero BB-8. <laughs> <laughs> I got a couple a couple of points. I did get the, the R2-D2, um, and it, it is 
quite fun. It's kind of like the the BB-8 where it's really fun at first and then it kind of dies off. But my kids love it when I I get him out and and roll him around and make him fall over. The other thing I would mention about the the BB-8 is uh, one of the biggest frustrations that that we had with it is that the head kept falling off. And I love how in The Last Jedi, they actually made that make sense. There's the scene where he flies out of the hangar and then you see his head roll across the screen just like the Sphero BB-8 head does all the time. Now Sphero just needs to program the way for the ball to find the head and put it back on by That's itself. That's right. Then. I've been still doing the uh, the Bandai the movie realization. I've kind of slowed down a little bit. I haven't yet got the Maul or the Django, but I received the Archer um, probably a few months ago. Um, and I know there's some other ones coming. I'm kind of excited. I actually hope they, they do some Praetorian Guards because I think they'd lend themselves well to that line. I think they look like they're already in that line. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but I've slowed down a little bit trying to find them um, a little bit cheaper later on because I kind of noticed other than that first Vader that was hard to find that they went back and did a second release for and is still hard to find. They tend to come down a little bit in price and they sit around for a little while. So I'm kind of a little bit playing more of a long game on some of those than I was at first where I was just getting them and paying full price for them. I'm still doing the egg attack figures. Um, They as a company have kind of slowed down. So it's been kind of nice. I haven't had to buy as many this year. They did do a really cool full scale do back to their other egg attack figures. And they were nice enough to either sell it with a sand trooper, or if you already owned a sand trooper, you could buy just the do back by itself. And other than that, I did buy, you know, one or two figure arts here or there and kind of backfill in some of the collection over the year. Yeah. I've been um, picking up a few of the figure arts, trying to resist going in on those whole hog. Cause they're really, really nice. But Again, that's a that's a whole other avenue that I might want to avoid. And then trying to keep up with the Disney uh, Droid Factory stuff, which I think is going to be impossible going forward if, unless you live by a park. That's yeah, just, that seems like a nightmare. All yeah. the different variations and pieces. And, oh, yeah. No, it's it is it's crazy, and they dump them without really any advance warning, and all of a sudden you're way behind, and you didn't even know it. So now. I do happen to live close to the parks. I don't do necessarily the individual ones, but they've put out a couple nice sets this year. They put out the set with all the BB units, and I actually think that those look a little bit nicer than the Hasbro ones. And they put out the -the glow-in-the-dark Halloween droid, which I wouldn't have gotten it if it didn't glow in the dark, but there was something nostalgic about 80s toys that glowed in the dark that I was like, I have to have that. So I did pick up that droid factory, but as far as the individual build them ones i have not gone down that road for the reason that matt just said it's just kind of madness to try and do so you know speaking of disney has anybody continued on with the elite series i to me that one just seems like it's kind of it's they're still coming out with stuff but i don't hear any excitement about it when they make announcements or anything it's just kind of here they are yeah that's another line that i was all in on that's going on the ebay block including the D23 exclusive set. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was in on those through 
Force Awakens, and then just I, I didn't like them. I didn't like them enough to stick with them. Although now they've got these Infinity or what the toy box figures. There's only three so far, but I kind of I I bought the Infinity game back in the day just because I like the look of those figures. And now that they're actually making toys out of them, I'm excited about that if they keep with it. Yeah, I love the design of those things. I like you. I, I got the Infinity game mainly just because the figures look so cool uh, and those weren't articulated. They were just little tiny animated style statues and these have articulation. And yeah, I think these look, these look great. I haven't picked any up. Are they, are they available yet? Yeah. The there's a Ray and a first order trooper and, I guess Kylo Ren. Yeah. Have, have they're you picked easy them to up? find. It's actually the Marvel ones that my kid is having trouble mm. finding. He, uh, I don't know what, I guess Hulk, but, uh, yeah, the star Wars ones I've seen a cup, you know, a couple times, but I haven't been to the mall in a few weeks. So are those only at Disney stores? Because I can tell you, I haven't Just seen stores. it. Yeah. I haven't seen it at the parks and I haven't seen it at like Disney Springs at any of the stores there. I think they're just their retail. I mean, they're available on their website as well. Right. The only other thing that I've really been collecting is uh, Lego. They've put out a lot of stuff this year. Again, kind of like the Hot Toys, I'm really starting to feel the the weight of having a new Star Wars movie every year. The highlights for me are actually a little little strange this year. Um, one of them's a, a build a figure or buildable figure. The uh, Scout Trooper on the speeder bike is absolutely incredible. It's huge it i mean it it looks like you know one of the technic lego sets but it it looks really great and is it just it's a good uh good piece to have like on you know your desk or even on a shelf because it's it's so big i mean it's it's over a foot long it looks really sharp and the, the other one which is a little strange is um actually a set that's from the um, Freemaker Adventures TV show on Disney XD. I don't know if any of you guys have watched that at all, but uh, the the Tracker 1 is kind of like a, a TIE fighter. It's got almost like a TIE defender. It's got three wings, um, so it's got some of the typical problems you have with, with uh, Lego TIE fighters where there's you know repetition in building the wings, but the cockpit itself is a really cool build, and there's a lot of cool ways that the pieces fit together and, and attach to each other. And um, I just had, I had a lot more fun building that set than I was expecting. So, so that was a, a strange standout for me. I haven't gotten any of the, the last Jedi sets other than the tie silencer and the heavy scout Walker uh, that I was able to actually find before release date at Toys R Us. And they were gracious enough to actually uh, sell it to me, even though the computer told them not to. And those were, those were pretty, pretty cool. Um, But yeah, I think the highlights are probably the speeder bike and the, the tracker one. Did you get the millennium Falcon? I did not actually. Part of the reason for that is that the, they sent out a, a notification when it uh, went up for order to the VIP people, um, which I mean, is free to join just basically a mailing list is all it is. Um, but the email address on my account was an old email address that I don't use anymore. And so I missed out on it and it sold out so fast that by the time I realized what was going on, it was, it was already gone. They say that they're going to have them available again. They were supposed to be available to VIP members through the month of December 
that hasn't happened online. I hear that it's pretty much only for people who actually go to a Lego store. They can get put on a waiting list and then they're notified when they've got them in stock. Um, but I expect them to probably have them back in stock in January. And when that happens, I may go for it. Uh, but man, $800 for a set that I basically already have. Cause I have the original, uh, I just, it's, I'm part of me thinks that the fact I missed out on it the first time is a sign and I should just, uh, yeah, pass on that one. What are the differences between the one you have and the new one? The differences are that the uh, first one, the only thing you could open up is the cockpit. Uh, this new one has various sections of the ship that you can take off and see, like the um, Dejaric table and the gunner station and and uh, various parts of, of the inside of the Falcon, which is cool. It turns it more into a playset than just a, a big um, model of the ship. Uh, and it also comes with the Force Awakens sensor dish and some of the characters from the new trilogy, as opposed to just characters from the original. And I think it, uh, I think it comes with Lego Porgs. It does. I bought Marjorie those Porgs, and then of course they announced another set coming out next year that's far smaller and cheaper <laughs> that has the exact same Porgs. Uh huh. Welcome to Lego. <laughs> I mean, there's not much variance you can do to a Porg. Maybe there's a slight difference in the face, but I did get, I waited and the prices came down considerably. When that Millennium Falcon set first came out, they were charging a hundred per Porg. Whoa. Yeah, I waited and played a long game and finally found somebody much more reasonable who took an even more reasonable best offer. And speaking of toys coming out next year, let's look kind of ahead. What are you guys looking forward to? How excited are you for the return or are you excited for Hasbro's three and three quarter vintage? I'll say I'm excited for the concept. I'm not super jazzed about the first wave or so that we've we've seen coming. You know, it's a lot of repacks of things that I don't feel necessarily need the vintage card treatment, but I understand that's how they're going to get the line going. However, that may choke the line out initially because it's going to be a bunch of figures that nobody really wants clogging the pegs. I have a bit of news on that, actually. And Matt, you're the one who prompted me to ask this question. I wanted you to be around when I get the answer. But when I went to New York Comic Con, I did corner the Hasbro team and ask, will these figures be multilingual? Because when they did the original vintage collection, they were not multilingual. And so when they re-release the figures that they made such a big deal, it'll be the same number. It's the same figure. If you have it, you don't need it. Well, if you're a carded variant collector, Hasbro now has to make them multilingual. So it will not <laughs> be the exact same card. Oh, boy. And I, I'm not even talking about the, the exact same figures released on vintage cards. I'm talking about figures, you know, they're putting Ray on a vintage card and stuff like that. You know, it's just it's there's not enough newness of figures in this initial lineup, but that'll pass. And I'll, I'll soon be excited about the rest of that stuff. Um, looking over some of the six inch stuff coming out. I'm, I gotta say, I'm more excited than anybody rightfully should be that they're coming out with the six inch Dengar figure. That's, that's just really cool looking. And I'm hoping, hoping that means they're going to finish out the bounty hunter set here sooner than later. But the thing that that's coming out this year from Hasbro that has me kind of excited is that role play Darth Vader helmet that they showed it. 
at New York. You know, I have the Stormtrooper helmets and Kylo Ren's helmet, and that Vader one looks just as good as those do, and I'm, I'm excited that that's going to be coming out soon. As far as the vintage collection goes, since I've kind of switched to being an opener, it's kind of a, a toss-up for me. I still have a lot of the other vintage ones on cards that I have not been able to bring myself to open because I'm kind of like, well, they are on the vintage card, uh, so it's a little bit tough. I'm going to kind of take a wait-and-see approach. I was never all-in on the vintage line. In previous years when they did it, I would kind of pick and choose the ones I really wanted. And so it'll probably be more about character selection than just it being vintage is going to kind of be where I come down on that front. I have to admit, and I came to this realization this year, in fact, that I actually prefer the 6-inch over the 3 and 3 quarter. And that's hard to say because 3 and 3 quarter is where... I started, uh, and that's kind of where we all started, um, especially with the with the original vintage figures. But I I find myself gravitating towards the six inch figures, so those are my favorites. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that dewback that's that's coming out. That's uh, I think it's rumored to be going up for pre order shortly here, if it hasn't already. I don't think it's gone up for order yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, there. I think that it's rumored that it's going to be going up soon. Is what the rumor that was floating around on on social media for me the uh, vintage collection, you know, I, I was sad to see it go just because I love that design. Part of me is excited to see it come back because I love the way they look hanging on the pegs. But the other part of me is thinking, well, so you've got the uh, regular three and three quarter inch line. You've got three and three quarter inch figures that are they're doing the, the two packs. Um, and now you're also going to have the super articulated, uh, vintage collection, uh, which they, you, you know, they kind of have that third line of three and three quarter inch now with the Walmart exclusives, but those are in much more of a limited amount of, for, uh, they don't release as many of those as I foresee them doing with the uh, new vintage collection. Um, so part of me is, is a little apprehensive because, how much are these things actually going to really sell? You know, I listening to you guys, it sounds like you're you're a little lukewarm on them now, and I'm wondering if if Hasbro did they wait too long, and has the excitement for and the longing for the vintage card back has it kind of waned over the the last few years? I can unequivocally answer that as no, Andrew, because okay, I go to these conventions and I go to every Hasbro panel, and every time. There's the question, what about three and three quarter? And I agree with what Chris said in that I love the six inch line. I love the detail. I love the articulation. I love the fact that I get a better look at it. But for Star Wars collectors, and I mean the hardcore ones, three and three quarter is where it's at. I'm curious how they're going to respond to a higher price point. Exactly. Yeah. And that was going to be my next thing. Do we know what that price is going to be yet? No, we don't. Okay, because I, I, I would be really excited about it if it went back to when the Vintage Collection first came out, and that was the three and three quarter inch line. You didn't have the the five POA figures and all this other stuff. Um, you know, that was the three and three quarter inch. I'd be more excited about it then. But the fact that it's kind of a uh, an additional line out there that those hardcore collectors are gonna have to you know put put up big money for. I, I'm I'm worried that it's going to fizzle out before we're able to get any sort of depth to that line again. Well, I'm actually excited to see characters from the new movies on the vintage cards. I'm not a purist like 
and I'm nothing against being a purist, but I'm not, I'm okay when they did Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith on Vintage before. I'm okay with whatever the expended universe and the new movies will be on those cards. I just, I hope that they are able to fix the distribution that killed that line in the past, but this is a series I'll be ordering by the case and getting every single one of, even the ones I have before, because, yep, different card, different line, really. I mean, this is Vintage Collection 2018. Yeah, I mean, to address the question about the popularity or the concerns that they'll be received, one of the reasons I sold, and I probably sold 50 to 55 carded vintage figures from the previous years this year. I mean, I sold a ton of them. And two reasons I did that was, number one, I felt like if I had a ton of them, then I'd want to start buying these. And recall, one of my goals was to not be an active collector anymore. But then the other thing was that I just couldn't help but to overlook, and this sounds bad, but in the summer of 2017, those things sold like hotcakes. I mean, I, you know, some of the the ones that you, you can imagine that were a little bit more peg warmers, like the episode one wave and that you readily could find those sold for maybe cost, but the rest of them I did okay on and And it was really well worthwhile to sell them. So people were, were clamoring for them. I mean, they, they're paying 25, $30 a figure. They were, you know, that was probably a good buy. I mean, I, I usually jump on eBay, say, see what they're selling for normally, and then go a little lower than that because I'm interested in moving what I have. So that's, um, I think people are going to, are, are going to dig these. And if you're going to get some, Maybe Last Jedi Force Awakens characters that may plug it up a little bit because maybe some people won't associate of my love for vintage with putting Disney era figures on that. That may may clog it up, but by and large, I think people will love these to death. Now, are they? I believe I heard that they are, but I just want to confirm they're running this vintage line concurrent with the five POA, sometimes six POA line. That's my understanding. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So my fear is is that you may. I guess you're spreading collectors a little thin, and I guess we've been spread thin for a few years trying to collect. You got your six inch, you got your five POA, and then you got your highly articulated. It hasn't been a problem because the five POA, there, there hasn't been a ton of them, and there hasn't been a ton of the highly articulated. Uh, and if you're not into the six inch, you're saving yourself some money there. But if they're going to put these out, the vintage ones in greater numbers, I'm curious to see what happens with the five POA line, uh, depending on the price point of the vintage line, of course. I'm interested to see what they do for character selection in that line and how that line kind of goes, because um, while they that that is a more kid-focused line, there are plenty of people that are collecting that line. I can see them doing very much what they did over on the Marvel side with, with that line, which is kind of keep it there and just kind of push it off to the side. I mean, we've, we've seen this go down with Marvel universe. You know, we used to be getting awesome, highly articulated figures on dedicated cards. And then it slowly started getting down to five POA stuff on movie specific cards for a while. And it just, I can see them doing that with movies coming out so frequently now. That's my other question is, what kind of toy line do you expect for Solo? I cannot decide if they're going to do a full push. I did talk to Steve Evans at Hasbro, and he said that they plan on sprinkling Solo merchandise out throughout the rest of the year versus these movies that come out in December where they have to get it all out in three months. 
Yeah, I don't. That's it's another one where I don't know what to expect. I mean, you know, are they going to have figures ready to roll? And by the time they get them out there, are people going to care? I mean, I was glad to get some characters from Rogue One, but are they ever going to go back and revisit that time? I don't. I don't know how they plan on moving forward with all these properties. For me, it's kind of encouraging to hear that they're not going to try and hit us all at once because it seems like there's a small window to collect the movies and then, oh, we've got to stop and make for the next movie. So to Justin and and Matt's point earlier, you're not getting a bunch of characters and then you've got the six-month window. But uh, for me, at this point, knowing what I know based on the solo movie and just from a space issue and from trying to collect what I really love – at this point, I've made the decision that I am not going to collect anything from the solo movie. And that is the first time since I've started collecting that I've made that kind of hard stop. So we'll see if I actually follow through with it. But I think for me, it's definitely going to be I am not going to pick up any of the toys until I see this movie and see if I can get behind it. Um, so that's something that's really unique for me and in all my years of collecting, but I just kind of felt like with everything coming fast and furious and all the products, I think we've touched on this before um, with everything that's coming and Disney kind of opening the floodgates for the licenses to the point where I wouldn't be surprised if we see SH figure arts available on the U.S. market sooner rather than later. You kind of have to make a decision of what you're going to what you're going to go after. And I've just decided that I'm going to pursue those things that I really love. And until I see that movie, I'm not going to be able to just say, yes, I'm in on it. I don't care how good or bad the movie is. If they make a Donald Glover Lando figure, I'm, I'm on it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm hoping, you know, considering after the, after the Han Solo movie comes out, we've got 18 months or more before the next film that they use that time to sort of backfill the sort of secondary characters from Force Awakens and Rogue One and every, all the other stuff that they really never got time to get around to. To either use the time to, to do that or maybe they'll that's when they'll concentrate on the vintage collection. But, you know, I, I really don't want to go 18 months without new product if they if they have a Han Solo launch date at the end of April and then we don't see anything new after that. All right. Well, any final thoughts on this year or next year in collecting? I've had enjoyed this conversation. I wanted to bring up one uh, thing that we didn't touch on, and that is the Hallmark Itty Bitties. I thought that this year they did that awesome set from the cantina on the cards, and I thought that was an awesome set with the Chase Blue Snags. So I was able to complete that set, and that's actually a really nice set and a kind of a nice homage to the 40th anniversary I'm not sure if anyone else is collecting the itty bitties loose. I kind of pick and choose which ones I really like more so character focus, but I did go with those four because of the, the card uh, and the way they look displayed together. I also pick and choose the ones that I like and buy those. Some of them just don't translate well, I think into various mediums such as itty bitties or other things. I think they're super cute. And I, for the Marvel line, they were doing giant itty bitties. So they were like 18 inches tall and they're just huge and they're super fun too. What I like about the itty bitties is the price point. Yes. They're very, very reasonable for, for, you know, I mean, they're small, right? They're called itty bitty. So you would hope that they would be cheap, but the, the price point is, is, you know, right in that sweet spot where it's, it's easy to, you know, if you're in Hallmark for some other reason um, and you see them, it's easy to say, yeah, I'll spend a couple bucks on one of those. I do have one final question coming from me with 
what we've seen with the return of Mighty Mugs. Is anybody excited about that, or do you feel like that time has passed and Funko owns that segment now? Oh, you're hitting on a marital hotbed topic here because I am excited for the return of Mighty Mugs, and I like the three-face feature. I gotta say, I think that that's kind of fun and something that's not been done before, and... It just is three figures in one, right? And I like that the packaging is stackable and so much more solid than the Pops. I have to buy protectors for Pops, whereas these come in nice, hard plastic. I wish they were more like the old mugs, but I kind of like them. We have one Mighty Mugs from the old line at uh, Captain Rex, because that's one of my wife's uh, focuses is Captain Rex figures. So she's got that, but I didn't get any of the other ones because... I didn't ever get the appeal. They didn't do anything. They just looked like weird. They all looked exactly the same. They just had different paint and they were just these weird little statues. These new ones though, I think are really cool. I I, like Arnie, like the three different faces that you can do with them. However, I don't see it being something that I would really get in on. I could see myself, you know, picking up one or two, you know, maybe have one on my desk at work uh, and, you know, whatever uh, mood I'm in is whatever face it'll have. But I don't really see it being something where I would need to get several of that line. See, I, I'm going to come down on Marjorie's side on this. I think Funko's got that market. Um, that being said, as far as the Mighty Mugs go, I have the Yoda ones, and that's what I will continue to do. I'll get the Yoda ones. Um, but I've kind of, we've, Sarah and I have gone more to the Funko side of things, and I, I think that's where we'll continue to go. But what I really want to know is can Daryl customize these new ones like he did the old ones? I haven't seen them in person yet, so I don't know. Uh, I was all in on the old ones. Love the old style with the different paint apps and stuff. I mean, it's just a vinyl collectible doll. Uh, once I see these in person, I don't know. Right now, from the pictures I've seen, no, I'm not going to be buying these. But when I see one, have one in hand and kind of feel the weight and see what it looks like and stuff, I may change my mind. I still have the complete collection of the original run of Mighty Mugs. And I do like them. They're, you're absolutely right. They are exactly the same. They're just different paint apps. And something about these new ones, they just don't... They're not Mighty Mugs. They're something different. So I'm not all in unless I see one I absolutely have to have. And I still have a couple cases of blank Mighty Mugs in my basement for painting. <laughs> Those were the uh, get over the $33 mark to get on Hasbro for years. <laughs> but of course toys and statues aren't the only collectibles there's of course books and video games and comics and here to talk about it with their annual recap is brock with nathan p butler hello everybody this is brock star wars action news book club liaison this is the 2017 year in publishing and joining me once again for this wonderful year in review is nathan p butler nathan Hey, hey everybody, glad to be back. Been kind of a quiet year for me, getting a chance to be around with my uh, old pals at Star Wars Action News. Well, we're glad to have you back. Of course, uh, why don't you let people know where they can find you? You have that wonderful synopsis of where people can find you. Why don't you do that right now? Starting up the spiel, right? Uh, Well, (laughs) you can find uh, my Star Wars Timeline Gold, the most comprehensive Star Wars chronology available anywhere at over 3,100 pages now, uh, which is over at StarWarsFanWorks.com slash timeline. Just had its 20th anniversary. 
I am one of the two hosts of both Star Wars Beyond the Films with Mark Herleman and Cloud City Casino with Michael Morris, which are both over at StarWarsReport.com at this point. I have a YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Radio, Patreon with exclusive stuff, Patreon.com slash Nathan P. Butler. I am all over the place, most recently of which is a, a new book, which I guess since it's publishing, I should hold off on mentioning at this point. Um, but I'm all over the place. I'm, But I'm one of the old Republic Forces Radio Network people, so I feel like I'm kind of coming back home at this point. Well, we're going to go over the year in publishing. We're going to talk about novels, young adult novels, comics. We're going to talk about a little bit nonfiction. Maybe gaming if we have time for that. But, you know, we're going to do a general overview, folks, because, you know, a lot of the stuff we've covered on both here on Star Wars Action News and on Nathan's own various kinds of uh, media that he does. But we're going to start off first, of course, with the year in novels. The year started off with the novelization of Rogue One, technically, that came out after the movie in December, but of course, all of us got a chance to read it after Christmas and in January. After that, of course, came the final Aftermath novel, Empire's End, which I know I, for one, am happy that trilogy is over. And Battlefront 2 Infernal Squad came out way early before the game did. That came out in July. All those books that were reviewed here on Star Wars Action News by myself, and I think, Nathan, you reviewed some of those books on your channels as well. But before we get into the second half of the year with Journey to the Last Jedi, there was one book in particular which I think is the gem of the year in novels, and that would be Thrawn, Timothy Zahn's epic return, fresh off the Rebels' appearance by Thrawn, and now, of course, he is the villain in season was it four this year? I, I lost track. But Thrawn by Timothy Zahn was a great surprise and a wonderful novel, a return to form for Mr. Zahn. Nathan, did you agree? Did you enjoy that book? I did. I thought it was sort of the classic Thrawn. My issue with Thrawn had been that I loved him originally in about the first five books he was in, the Thrawn trilogy and the Hand of Thrawn <laughs> duology. And it seems like after that, they really weren't quite sure what to do with him. So a lot of times he sort of came out like he was almost godlike in the fact that he could predict, you know, 9, 10, 20, 50 moves down the line for every party involved, even in Choices of One, where he was barely there for any of it. Right. And it was kind of one of those things where that sort of ruined the mystique of the character for me. He was supposed to be sort of a Sherlock Holmes type guy, a brilliant guy, not a god. And here he's back to that style, which is also the style that they were able to bring into Rebels. So I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was good insight into the character. And one of those stories that, I mean, you don't have to read it to understand the character, but you're going to get a lot more out of watching, say, Rebels if you've read it. Kind of like you're going to get more out of Rogue One, perhaps, if you've read Catalyst, though Catalyst wasn't quite as enjoyable a journey to get through at the time. I agree uh, with the first part of that. I don't think Rogue One is at all helped by Catalyst, but that's a conversation for a different day. Uh, yeah. Thrawn also had that great character development for the female commander who's on Rebels. Governor Arhinda Price. Boom, there you go. That was a surprise bonus of the Thrawn novel that we got a history that we didn't necessarily need, but was a great parallel to Thrawn's journey. And we're getting a sequel, which we were told is already written and will be out, I think, in 2018, if I'm not mistaken, and hopefully will be just as good as the first. So in the second half of the year with novels as part of the big Journey to the Last Jedi initiative by Del Rey and other companies, the first one that came out uh, was Phasma, which is, I thought, was a strange title to, to start off with. And my quick opinion of the book, Nathan, and let me know if you agree, much like The Force Awakens, they had all this promotion about Phasma, this character. She's all over all the merchandise and Gwendolyn Christie's and all this press tour. And she's all over the place. This character's everywhere. And she barely did anything in the movie. So with this new book, I'm thinking, oh, great. You know, we're going to get some backstory. We're going to get some interesting stuff. We're going to lead right into The Last Jedi. It's going to be really epic. And 
it was a rebel spy who was captured by an imperial adversary of Phasma, and everything was told secondhand. The entire thing was passive. I really learned anything about Phasma, and of course, everything we did learn can be easily denied if they changed their mind in movies because it was secondhand knowledge. I found the entire book extremely grating. I had a really tough time getting through that one. What did you think, Nathan? Did you enjoy reading Phasma? Um, no. no I, I was someone who, like, I wanted background on Phasma too. I mean, I figured that Phasma, I mean, if they can take Maul and they can take Boba Fett, and they both didn't have much of a presence in the films, didn't get to do a whole lot compared to their hype, and they can rehabilitate them with a lot of cool background, whether it's in books, comics, even in the Clone Wars, in the case of some of those characters I mentioned, that surely this could be a cooler character. I always talk about the thing I call the Stover effect from when I read the Revenge of the Sith novelization, and it completely changed my view on the film as I went to see it for the first time compared to the people around me who hadn't. And I felt like I had more depth in what I was seeing than what was actually necessarily on screen. And I kind of was hoping for that effect when it came to Phasma. And when you get to The Last Jedi, she doesn't have a lot to do, but at least I was sort of like, ooh, she's so brutal and so untrustworthy. But it didn't really mean anything for the film. No. And when the novel itself basically reads like a cross between Star Wars, Mad Max, and Lord of the Flies, that just doesn't <laughs> do it for me. I'm sure there are some fans out there who love Mad Max and Lord of the Flies. It just was not the story for me. I hear you. And the chocolate and peanut butter did not mix for you. Also in the Journey to the Last Jedi, two short storybooks. One, Canto Bite, that came out fairly late, about early December. And from a certain point of view, which is the 40th anniversary of A New Hope. That really isn't tied into The Last Jedi, but it came out around the same time of all this other publishing. And I gotta tell you, I don't really feel comfortable reviewing that book. It's for charity and all that. And it's 40 sh very short stories. Like, it's the kind of book you can keep at your bedside and read a couple of stories a night and then put it down. You really can't read it from cover to cover like a novel. It just will not read that well. And some of the stories are quite entertaining. Some of them are... The author's style of writing didn't really click with me. The audiobook, of course, has John Hamm, which they're really pushing. I think Neil Patrick Harris has a voice in there, too, if I'm not mistaken. Did you enjoy the certain point of view, Nathan? You are so kind to that book to not want to review it. <laughs> it's um, for charity! They're doing it for it's, And I love the fact that it's for charity. I think they should do more of that. I agree! Um, doesn't change the nature of the stories that are in it. Some of them were fantastic and give you new ways to look at A New Hope. They had several stories about the pilots that gave you new insights into them. Unfortunately, they couldn't figure out how to agree between stories which pilots were flying and which pilots were forced to be grounded, either because there weren't enough ships or because they didn't have training or, you know, something because they kept changing their reasons between stories. Um, but when you've got a book that has some really fantastic stories, like a conversation between Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon about Luke, having Yoda giving some insights about which Skywalker you wanted to train, that's some really cool stuff that gives us more to really latch on to. Right. And then you've got the Force-sensitive, crazy-baptizing freaking Dianoga? Yeah, I know. And you've got a story about an Imperial officer who basically wants to sleep his way to the top and plays into the worst possible stereotypes from the 90s about homosexual men that you could possibly have played into in a Star Wars story? What are they doing? Yeah. So some of it was great, and some of it just had me sitting back going, who in, who in God's name approved this story for this book? But I guess... What, if it's for charity, it doesn't matter if it makes a profit? That's not good enough. Well, yes. Yeah, I am being very nice and kind for about For them, it. I mean. Yeah, no, I, I understand what you mean. I see your point, but I think some of these stories that you and I didn't like, somebody out there loves that story. You know, that's the thing about there's 40 really short stories in here, right? So there's something, quote unquote, for everyone. And again, it's for charity. 
I want to shake the hand of the man whose favorite story in this book who loved the Dianoga story, but only because if I shake their hand, I'll be close enough to look in their eyes and determine if they're high. <laughs> I actually talked to a few of my friends who are not involved with Star Wars Action News who purchased this book, and two of them, two of them stopped after the Jawa Sandcrawler story with the droid who finds the message inside of R2-D2 and R2-D2 pleads right. with him. And they said, forget it. <laughs> I'm like, really? That's pretty early Keep in the book. going after that, at least. I mean, give it a try. There are going to be stories you don't like in any anthology. I think, and I'm kind of being unfair, I think the majority of the stories were either fine or good. Yes. It's just you had some that were... Insane. Blemishes. Yes. On, and yeah, yeah, insane is a great... Insane. And I, script. I, but I, I'm trying to accentuate the positive here because of what it's for, what it's about. And there are some real good gems in there. So... Yep. And I should point out that this is another one of these books that had uh, the different covers. So as we're talking about the books, there are right. uh, cel or celebration or other convention exclusive versions out there of things like From a Certain Point of View or Inferno Squad and such. So collectors had quite a year for that outside of necessarily what the content is of the books. And this was one of them with a really neat alternate cover. Yeah. New York Comic Con, I think, right? I think you're right. But of course, our fans who are listening to this would know better than us because they collected it. And clearly, we did not. Canto Bite was also a short story collection, but that was a, a novella one. Only four stories in there. And I love this book. This is my second favorite book of the year. Sure, Canto Bite in The Last Jedi was... Everyone has an opinion on that scene in the movie. Uh, but uh, this book was exceptional. Every story was better than the next. And of course, finishing off with John Jackson Miller's was just a, a great idea. John Jackson Miller, of course, written so many short stories for Star Wars. And of course, one of my favorite Star Wars books of all time, Kenobi. But a Canto Bite, if I had to recommend any of the books in Journey to the Last Jedi, that would be the one I say you have got to get. It was really great. The last book to come out, and that came out the day the movie came out, so I haven't had a chance to read it yet. It's The Last Jedi Cobalt Squadron, and the audiobook is done by Kelly Marie Tran, who's Rose in the new movie. Have you had a chance to read Canto Bite? Canto Bite, I'm partway into, and Cobalt Squadron, I haven't touched yet, nor Bomber Command, which is kind of that odd journalish type thing. Uh, that also came out on the day of the film, so we haven't had a chance to read it. Oh, yeah. Um, I got to say, Canto Bite is, it's good so far. I'm only about, like I said, probably about halfway through it. But to say that it's the best of the books in the, you know, the journey to The Last Jedi, I got to say, as Dennis Miller once said, and I'm fond of repeating, it's kind of like being valedictorian of summer school. <laughs> this was not a very strong lead up to the film, and most of the, of the books don't really tie into the film per se. It's sort of more, you know, some of the places and characters and giving background on it without actually linking to the film itself. No, you're right. Um, but you're yeah, right so far, that. Canto Bite is coming out as the one that if there was one of this batch that I would recommend, I would recommend. Though if somebody asked me for this year, I'd be recommending you the Thrawn or Inferno Squad instead. Yeah, Inferno Squad was quite a surprise, actually. Legends of Luke Skywalker, young adult novel, transitioning into that. That's also a short story collection, pretty much. It's about tall tales of Luke Skywalker, mm -hmm. and they're all heading, traveling towards Canto Bight. So it, that also is a is a tie-in to The Last Jedi that way. I found that book incredibly hard to get through. It's a young adult novel, so kids might connect to it better than I. I actually listened to the audiobook of that one instead of actually reading it. And while the performance was exceptional, but she did a lot of different kinds of voices, and it was very difficult because each story had a different set of characters. Bravo for the reader. I just did not care for this book. There was one story in there that had a... I was thinking Plankton from SpongeBob SquarePants. It was a little tiny flea that was jumping around the characters all through Jabba's palace. It's all about these secondhand, again, stories of Luke Skywalker, but these are like fantastical, probably not even true stories that people have passed down. And I, mm -hmm. I, I found it incredibly tedious 
get through, but Leia, Princess of Alderaan, was a much better book. Young Princess Leia, they did a really great job there of giving us a backstory that we never had before. Leia learns to be a princess, but also learns to be a leader. She's a rebellious teenager, but she learns to be like a rebellion leader and learns what her parents are doing for the first time, etc. It really was a wonderfully written book. And it was Claudia Gray again who wrote the great Lost Stars, who wrote the great Leia novel from last year. So I'm not surprised it was well written. That was my favorite young adult novel of the year. Guardians of the Wills and Rebel Rising came out earlier in the year. Rebel Rising, now we, with Rebel Rising, we now have every moment of Jin Erso's life documented <laughs> because she has such a short life. And Guardians of the Wills was an interesting book because you would think they would have a Cassian and K2SO book. That'd be more of a buddy book to have. And they should do that. I think they have a comic series now of them. If they don't, they should. But Guardians of the Wills it was a strange choice for a young adult novel in that my kids, who are, you know, under 13, have not watched Rogue One because it's a pretty intense Star Wars movie, much like Revenge of the Sith. And, and I don't want them exposed to that quite yet. Of course, one day they will be. But why would I give them a book with characters they don't know? Uh, so The Rebel Rising was more of a young love story. Guardians of the Wills had a great uh, character stuff for Chirrut and Baze. But uh, overall, uh, young adult novels, for me this year, Leia, the Princess of Alderaan, uh, came out on top. Have you read all of some of these books that I just mentioned? I have read all but the back half or so of uh, Legends of Luke Skywalker. And let me say, you certainly make me want to read more of it, telling me that I'm going to be reading about a flea jumping between <laughs> characters. I thought some of the other stuff I've already read in it was... Ooh. Yeah, a, sen um, a sentient flea that gives Luke, quote-unquote, the idea to use the Force in the Rancor pit. See, I like the fact that they give us something like uh, a conspiracy theory of why the special edition and original version of the explosion of the Death Star and explosion of Alderaan look different and how, hey, if something can't happen more than one way, it must be propaganda. That kind of thing was great, but I found that one, yeah, quite a bit ponderous. I, um, I laughed out loud when I read that, by the way. I was on a train listening to that, and I just lost my stuff. It was funny as hell. And then people start looking at you like, what are you reading? It's like, Guardians of the Wills, I thought, actually was decent. I mean, I didn't yeah. feel like it gave us too much more insight into the characters, but it was solid. I mean, it wasn't a bad book or anything. Agreed. I would say that of the other two, of Leia, Princess of Alderaan, and Rebel Rising, I think I'm actually the reverse of you. I felt like the Leia book, we know enough about Leia, it didn't feel like it gave us too much more insight into her. And I now sort of retroactively have a more negative opinion of it by kind of by accident or by extension because I loved how freaking crazy Amalyn Holdo was in that book. She was like the Luna Lovegood of Star Wars. She could have hung out with Aphra and they could have been crazy together. And instead, <laughs> in the movie, she's incredibly bland and basically just want to be late. Agreed. So the character doesn't wind up carrying that over, so it's kind of a, a negative thing looking back. But I thought that was a fairly solid book, but I actually really, really liked Rebel Rising because it gave us the connective tissue for some things, sort of seeing how Jin's life interweaves with things like what was happening with Catalyst and whatnot, some of the things we'd heard about with the character, and manages to even set up some of the characters who would show up again in Inferno Squad. And I would really say if you're going to read Inferno Squad, read Rebel Rising and vice versa, because both of them are really about sort of this thing about how far are you willing to go for your ideals and sort of questioning the morality behind the things that we do. That's not territory that Star Wars has gotten into all that much recently. These really are some nice ethical dilemma type stories for both of them. So Rebel Rising comes out on top for me. I love what you just said there about the connective tissue, but then again, in the middle there with the love story, it kind of lost me. So while I did enjoy some of that connective tissue you were talking about, overall, I had a, it wasn't a huge winner for me. I didn't mind that book. Guardians of the Wills did also tell us about how Baze fell away from the tradition of the Wills, whereas Chirrut stays with it. 
it just strikes me. You talk about the love story there. You really, between Leia, Princess of Alderaan, Rebel Rising, and Lost Stars, we're basically learning that if it is a young adult novel for Star Wars that's going to be a thick one, instead of something small like Guardians of the Wills, expect an implied sex scene in there somewhere when you wouldn't in one of the Star Wars adult novels. Also, on top of novels, of course, there's the comic series. And I gotta tell you, Nathan, I'm caught up. I'm very caught up on Marvel Star Wars comics. And I had a great year reading them. Nice. I got some of them in trade paperback to catch up. And then I kept on reading. You were right last year. Dr. Afra is phenomenal. My favorite series so far. I enjoyed the Poe Dameron stuff I read. The Han Solo came out in trade paperback early in January. Picked that up. That was a great series. The new Darth Vader series. I was thought it was curious of a brand new Darth Vader series after having the old one. But hey, it seems to be working fine. And they have Jedi of the Republic Mace Windu. The Darth Maul series is out. The Phasma series. Not even to mention they have started publishing epic Star Wars, which is big old compilations of classic Marvel. They have Dark Horse Knights of the Old Republic in there. They have Dark Times collected. So you can buy them and catch up in those old, older series. I'm actually reading the Thor epic series. Although that's not relevant to our conversation. Perhaps I should move that over to Marvelicious Toys. But anyway, the point is that it was a huge year in comics, and I'm really enjoying them. What is your favorite series this year? I know last year you mentioned Afra. Is she still your favorite comic series out now, or have you moved on to something else? I think for the moment, Afra is still my top series. It just kind of depends on where they go with the character, because they've sort of changed the footing underneath her recently. But the new Darth Vader series is really growing on me. It's sort of what I had hoped the original Vader series would be, in that it's giving us more insight into Vader, rather than it being sort of a chasing of the, hey, here's some people, we're going to give fake force powers with technology to make rivals to Vader that kind of stink. <laughs> and I mean, I felt like that first series kind of petered out to a halt. Um, but I think the new Vader series is pretty good. Afra is good. Um, haven't been as big a fan of the mini series, uh, like Mace Windu, the Darth Maul one, the Phasma one, though at least the Phasma one felt like it had a purpose. Right. Maul and Mace, not so much, which kind of feels like what they're stuck in with the ongoing Star Wars series. They're not quite sure what they want to do with it, so it's, it's got some pretty drastic tonal shifts. I agree. But what I actually, what stood out to me this year was the Screaming Citadel crossover. Because it's one of those things where the first time they tried to do a crossover, and it's tough to do it with Star Wars anyway, because it's a shared universe and characters are going back and forth, so crossover in quotes, perhaps. The first one, Vader Down, didn't really feel like it was as epic and game-changing as it should have been. Mm -hmm. And then this one, I'm not sure how much it was epic or game-changing, per se, but it felt like it had a little more depth and a little more peril to it, because we were seeing something just a little bit weird that we hadn't seen enough in Star Wars, that it was almost like The Last Jedi. You weren't quite sure what was going to happen next. Next, at least for the characters whose fates we don't know. I would say it's a fairly strong year for Marvel Comics, better than some of the previous years. Poe Dameron helped with that quite a bit. Yeah. But they've got a long way to go still, I think, before they reach a point where people could look at this and say, these stories they're telling are as good as or better than what Dark Horse was doing years ago. Marvel is probably the, the one spot in Star Wars publishing right now that feels like it's still behind the curve of where things used to be. I gotta tell you, though, some of those Dark Horse comics were so... They went so far back in time that I had a lot of trouble connecting to the characters. Mm -hmm. But with the Star Wars series, I agree with you. Severe tonal shifts in the different... Like, they have, like, four or five books that tell one story, and they collect them in a paperback. And sometimes, from one paperback to the next, it was really jarring. It was difficult. The, the Yoda one, especially, it was strange. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was that was... That was bad. It was strange. To be fair to them, though, I feel like this was the year that Marvel focused more on trying to tell stories than trying to do clickbait. 
Previously, I would have said they were just as interested in clickbait as the stories they were trying to tell with the Star Wars line, and this year, that seems to have calmed down a bit. Now, I say that, and we still have about, you know, a week or two left of the year, so they still have time for a major clickbait thing, but we didn't get any, like, oh my goodness, Han was married, yeah, et cetera, et cetera, kind of clickbait things this year. Instead, it was just, hey, here's a new series about this character people dig, or hey, here's this new crossover we're going to do that's a little bit weird. Yeah. Okay, I can get behind that. <laughs> Uh, agreed. So uh, let's move on to uh, what I call nonfiction. Now, some of this is actually fiction because of the content inside, but I'm talking about oversized books like absolutely everything you need to know about Star Wars. They have a new version updated and expanded, of course. They have The Last Jedi, had a whole bunch of the ancillary books like The Incredible Cross Sections, The Visual Dictionary. They had an ultimate sticker collection, which actually was incredibly interesting to look at. The Star Wars, the classic newspaper comics volume one that came out in May, and the art of Star Wars, The Last Jedi, which I always love the art of books. But I didn't really pick any of these up yet. I was kind of thinking that Santa would bring at least one or two of these for me. Have you picked up any of these books? Did I miss anything that was really worthwhile that we should really mention in this kind of area? It's kind of been a slow year for like reference books or costuming things or collections of photographs. They didn't really do a lot of that stuff this year. Yeah, it was a fairly slow year for that sort of thing. Just like we're used to by now with the new films, the visual dictionary and the things that are released around the time of the film do a pretty good job of giving us a sense of the world of the film, maybe answer some unanswered questions with little tidbits here and there, but they're getting to, especially, I, you didn't really notice it as much with The Force Awakens, but with Rogue One's Ultimate Visual Guide and then the Visual Dictionary that was released for The Last Jedi, it does sort of feel like now they're giving you information that for the most part is relevant to maybe the first third of the film because they don't want to spoil it even though it came out the same day as the film and people are buying it for information about the film. Yeah, I know. So it's kind of a, you know, they're good, but I'd love for them to be a little bit more in-depth than they were. I would say probably the standout this year for those who really like the out-of-universe nonfiction, the our-universe nonfiction, is they actually did a really good book on the evolution of the Stormtrooper within not just the films, but also the uh, Legends continuity and then canon and whatnot, the cartoons from clones to Stormtroopers and all, and it's pretty detailed. I mean, it's, it's an entire coffee table book, a nice thick one just about the development of the stormtroopers. I think the amount of detail they went into was was fantastic, almost to the point of, whoa, that's way too much. So someone who's really into the armor, someone who maybe does the cosplay with the stormtrooper armor would probably really get a kick out of that book. But it didn't really get a lot of fanfare. There were so many other releases around the time leading into The Last Jedi that it seems like the stormtrooper beyond the armor book just sort of fell by the wayside. Check it out. Now, just for the people who are curious, it covers classic OT Stormtroopers and new First Order Stormtroopers, correct? Yes, and it delves into the uh, Clone Troopers a bit. It's basically sort of a, how did this, the concept begin with the original trilogy films, and then how was that then adapted into other media? It's because it's in essentially chronological order based on our world as opposed to the Star Wars universe. So it's sort of a creative evolution from 1970s to 20-teens in terms of Stormtroopers and related designs. I think even Boba Fett gets a little bit of a of play in there because of how it played off of Stormtrooper design. Right, right. And you know, all scout troopers and, and hoth troopers and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. Great. Okay, cool beans. Uh, one more thing I should mention too, because uh, Jerry and I talked about the Tops books during the shows over the past couple of years. Tops came out with one more book 
the classic sticker book that collected all the stickers. Not as essential, if you want to use that word, <laughs> for the as the trading card books were, but it's something out there if people care about that. It's, you know, stickers and stuff. Yeah. It was something worth noting, I thought, because, you know, so many people like that sort of thing. One other that I would toss out that's worth noting that's, I don't even know what you would call it, because it's not a reference work, so it's not really what we would usually think of as a nonfiction reference kind of thing. Right. There's a book to teach you basic programming in the program Scratch using Star Wars and Star Wars assets. Oh. So for those who are kind of into that sort of thing or wanting to get into it, it's actually a pretty cool starting point for that. I'm actually thinking of getting into it myself just because of that book. So that's cool. Uh, it's worth checking out as well. Yeah, and it's a great transition into gaming. Battlefront mm-hmm. 2 was the big thing that came out. We all know about the issue with the in-game purchases and what Bob Iger had to do to make sure that just stopped and all that kind of stuff. And that was quite a story. I am unaware of other games that came out this year, Nathan. Last year or two years before we talked about mobile games, and I'm not really sure there's a new mobile game that's worth mentioning. And miniatures and things like that. Anything that came out that was a big part of the year? Well, uh, X-Wing has continued. It's had several new waves of ships. Armada kind of slowly trickling along. They just had a recent release for Imperial Assault that's actually an app. So instead of playing the campaign the way that it is in the boxed sets or, or any of the expansions you might get for the Imperial Assault miniatures, you can actually use an app to guide your campaign and it basically acts as the Imperial player for you while you and your friends who are playing get to play all as the Rebels instead of having one always be the odd man out having to play as the Imperial, which is kind of cool. And the RPG is still going, albeit very slowly. It seems like they've very much slowed down getting those out. LCG, the living card game, is still going strong. I wouldn't say that any of them necessarily stand out too much except for for the app for Imperial Assault or just the sheer amount of X-Wing products still being put out. That still remains sort of the Fantasy Flight headline Star Wars game at this point. So I'm not wrong that there was not a, really a big new mobile release this year that I'm missing and the big game of the year of course was Battlefront 2 on the new platforms. Yeah, I mean you've got updates for things like Galaxy of Heroes and whatnot, but none yeah. of the mobile games really seem to have a huge following and with Uprising gone you're not really looking at new stories being produced that way so a lot of the focus on the mobile games or sort of the more collecting and, you know, book and comic focused fans just isn't really there right now. It's basically Battlefront or you're going towards something Fantasy Flight at this point. Gotcha, gotcha. Before we finish up, we don't really mention kids' books all that much because you and I don't really read them, even though I have children. There's just so many books out there, but this year we saw stuff like junior novels again, finally, Avengers in Wild Space and Join the Resistance were a couple. They have like little golden books have come out, which some of them are really kind of fun. One book I found in the bookstore was called Obi-123. It's a counting book. It was really cute. Uh, nice. the, and the DK reader books, of course, my, my son goes to the library, reads them there, and we don't even bother taking them out. I wanted to mention one thing before we move on is that they came out with new read-alongs for the prequel trilogy. And my kids especially like the Phantom Menace one. As I mentioned earlier, we have not introduced them to Revenge of the Sith at all in any level yet. But I have to think that the read-along story is, is safe enough for kids to listen to. You would hope. I would hope they don't talk about killing younglings. <laughs> uh, but you never know. They might. I, I just don't know. Uh, because the Force Awakens one, they mention Han Solo's death there. But they don't say, Kylo Ren split his dad in half. It says something like, he silenced Han Solo forever or something is what they said. But I digress. The, the point is that... The, the read-along book is really well done. It's very entertaining to listen to, the Phantom Menace one. The Attack of the Clones one is not as a big a favorite around here. Before we finish up here, Nathan, you mentioned it earlier. I was going to pop it on you, but you, you're on to me. There is one more book we definitely have to talk about this year that came out. Nonfiction book in the clearest, purest form of nonfiction there is called A Saga on Home Video, A Fan's Guide to the U.S. Star Wars Home Video Releases. That is quite the title. 
written by you, and I have to tell you, I read this book cover to cover. Not in one sitting, of course, but I did read it from <laughs> cover to cover. It's incredibly well-researched, and I would expect nothing less from you, sir. You are, if one thing you, if we all know about you is you are detail-oriented, and it's wonderful. It's a nice companion piece to your wonderful YouTube series that you have on all this. You are a big fan of collecting all these variant covers and things, and you put it into a book. What I liked about the book the most was I own quite a lot of these releases. I don't own all of them. So I was waiting for the releases that I have to come up, and I was curious on when they would show up. And do I have all the versions of that particular title, which I thought I had, I didn't. And there are variants of it that I had no idea about, etc. So it goes from the original, uh, well, why don't you tell people? Why am I telling them? It's your book. <laughs> where do you start? Where do you end? And where can they find it? Sure. Well, basically, it starts actually before home video releases per se, because technically video and film reels are different things. So before we even start talking about things like the first A New Hope release in uh, 1982 and then go on from there all the way up through the release of Rogue One and and bring in things like droids and Ewoks and all the different TV series and whatnot, even many of the the behind-the-scenes things, uh, it actually starts with the Super 8 reels, these 8mm reels that you could have gotten to watch selected scenes of the movies as early as 1977 and just takes it through there. And one of the things that I realized while I was doing the video series on YouTube was I had gotten to a point where my collection of U.S. releases was pretty much complete, and then I realized that there really wasn't any kind of guide to this sort of thing. I would try to look up releases in different collecting guidebooks that are sort of general focus, and I'd be frustrated by how many things weren't listed. Or I'd try to find a website, and there's only maybe one or two websites that try to catalog that sort of thing, and many of them stopped updating years ago. So it was one of those things where I realized that it was a niche that I could fill, I could create a guide to these things, and, and hopefully this is the way that it that came across to you, was I don't think that just a regular collecting guide where it's just, here's the product, here's the picture, is interesting. I mean, at least not as interesting as it should be. So for me, having done a lot of research into it, I wanted to sort of tell the narrative of Star Wars home video. So starting with the Super 8 stuff all the way up through the modern stuff, how did things change? How did company changes affect things? What was happening in fandom at the time that was affecting our perceptions of what a release should be? All that sort of thing gets worked into there so that hopefully when you sit down and read it, you can read it, as you were saying, cover to cover. You can actually read it as a narrative instead of it being the kind of guide where you just sort of flip to one chapter or you flip to this list of pictures and, and that's it. There are a bunch of pictures. There's over 300 from my own collection in there. But it's designed to be something that can sort of be almost a history book more than a collector's guide. Um, but it just depends on how you approach it and use it. Yeah, give you an example here. You, you talked about, and I'm going to butcher the actual what it is, but you can you'll understand what I mean. Mm -hmm. You talked about how there were little red triangles on the corner of certain releases from 20th Century Fox or before that uh, CBS video. It's very difficult to identify uh, which version of the release you have actually, and you try to figure it out or you try to explain that you can look at the front sticker on the video cassette or you can look at the little red triangle, and it's like minute differences. But you go into to how variant it gets down to like this nitty gritty stuff, which the way you told that story, the way you told this information to me, kept me interested. One little thing that's different, but it totally makes a difference because of when it was released, if you're a collector like yourself for these things, you have to know the difference to make sure you have every variant, right? So it does matter if you're looking to have a collection, but to the casual person like myself, I wouldn't know the difference. 
was mind-blowing to me that you didn't confuse me, is what I'm trying to say. It was, it was remarkable. So bravo to you. Oh, great. That's awesome. That's fantastic to hear. That's, when you get into the weeds, it's when you start thinking, am I losing them? Am I losing them? But that's why I use, you know, the footnotes full of sarcasm. So yeah, well, I know too. you. I know you and your humor. So for me, it was like listening to you talk, the humor there. A couple of times you mentioned international releases, and I'm like, Nathan, it's called the Fan's Guide to U.S. Star Wars releases. We don't need to know about the international. That's the next book. But, you know. Oh, Lord, no, 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 no. If anyone's <laughs> expecting an international one... No, 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 no. I am, I am nowhere near proficient enough on the uh, international stuff. I just include them in this one from time to time because yeah, just time I like to, to show, you know, how our releases compare to some in other regions because sometimes they'll get something really cool yeah. that we never got or they'll have something that's in sort of an unusual way able to be compared to ours to show us how different regions sort of approach the market differently, like which region gets a Blu-ray 3D disc for everybody, which one gets one only at a couple retailers and stuff like that. No, I was just kidding. Uh, yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah, We can go on forever about this. It's a good book. I really enjoyed it. It's not a focus I have, but I found the book interesting as a collector of other things and it's well-written, so, I mean, you're my friend friend and I want to help you out, but when it's a good book, it's easy to <laughs> recommend. If it, if it was a bad book and I didn't like it, I'd be like, yeah, Nathan, you uh, you wrote a book and that's great. Yeah, I like I like your name there on the cover. Isn't that name nice? <laughs> wow, look at that pretty font. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. We went through this extremely fast, but of course, if we didn't, you all would be bored and God knows maybe you already are, but that's the year in publishing and we'll be back hopefully next year to discuss 2018. We already know we have the Last Jedi novelization. We have the new Thrawn book coming out. And of course, we have the novelization of the Han Solo movie. Is there anything else that we should look forward to next year that I am not thinking off the top of my head right now, because I don't have any notes on it, that you know is coming for next year? There's not a lot that's really been announced. And of what's been announced, there's not anything that's really grabbing my attention a whole lot at this point. I'm more kind of interested in seeing where Marvel goes now, because right. they don't tend to announce or tip their hand too far in advance when it comes to new series. But we do have posts. Dameron that's supposed to be ending. We got Afra going, and in theory, these could continue, but we didn't expect Darth Vader to end as early as it did the first series either. So I'm kind of hoping that maybe we'll see a mid-year shakeup and we'll start seeing some new stories coming out of Marvel that maybe up their game, but also, you know, give us stuff that we didn't expect at the end of this year. To be able to say this was a year in which I was surprised by a Star Wars comic would be pretty cool. Absolutely. So we hope you all found something in our conversation that will spark you to read a Star Wars novel, young adult novel, comic book that you maybe were not going to do. I hope that our mini reviews of the books from the back half of the year piqued your interest on something, and we will be back in our collective places. I will be back here at Star Wars Action News reviewing books as soon as possible. Nathan, please remind the nice folks at home where they can find your information and where they can find your reviews, videos, podcasts, etc. Alright, again, it's StarWarsReport.com is where you will find Star Wars Beyond the Films with me and Mark Herleman talking about legends and canon story material. You'll find Cloud City Casino there also, where Michael Morris and I talk about Star Wars gaming. You'll find Fantasy Flight Games reviews and things like from the Star Wars Home Video Library on my YouTube channel channel, youtube.com slash chrono radio, and my Star Wars Timeline Gold, again, the most comprehensive Star Wars chronology available anywhere, as if you haven't heard me say that enough times. And that's bias. How do yeah, we that's, know that's it bias. is? Yeah, that's, that's, that's Come totally on. biased, uh, but it is <laughs> awesome. Uh, over on uh, StarWarsFanWars.com slash timeline, and of course that book, A Saga on Home Video, is available now through Amazon, and that is apparently now finally in all regions. So if you speak English, won't really matter what region you're in, you should still be able to get that book. 
if you're interested. If you're interested, yeah. And of course, we have. If you're not interested, go ahead and buy it anyway, but then maybe give it to somebody. I can't advise anybody to buy a book that they're not interested in reading, (laughs) but hopefully they're interested. So that's the year in publishing. Now back to Arnie and Marjorie. All right. Well, guys, thank you very much for joining me and Marjorie this week. It has been great to talk to you guys, and I look forward to having each of you back sometime in the next year on the show. Hey, Arnie, can can I interrupt for a second? Yeah. I'm not sure if I've got my counting wrong, and feel free to correct me, of course, but I think this might actually be, numerically, the 500th episode of Star Wars Action News. Is it? Your Black Friday was 498. This is episode 500. Yes. Wow. Woohoo. <laughs> can you believe on the year end of, of the 40th anniversary year? That's perfect. We had 500 just in time. Everybody gets a free Mighty Mug. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm super excited because next year's the real 40th anniversary for collectors. Because, sure, a movie came out in 77, but the toys came out in 78. Hey, don't don't discount all those uh, jigsaw puzzles we got in 1977. (laughs) And the fact that you got an early bird kit of cardboard, yes. Well, guys, I'm really I'm I'm doubly glad you're all here to celebrate the 500th episode of Star Wars Action News. Can I and guys, can I just tell you guys congratulations on keeping the show alive and uh, energetic and relevant? What eleven years into your run, and appreciate you letting us be a part of it. Thank you very much. And actually, yeah, 2018 will be the 13th year of the show. Wow! Wow! That's something to be proud of. Well, it couldn't be done without the listeners. I just, I guess I should take this time to thank everyone who listens to the show and comes to the forums and Facebook and Twitter and interacts with us and the conventions. It's really you guys that keep the show going as well as everyone behind the scenes, the people who couldn't be here, the people who are here, everybody just thank you so much. And with that, we'll wrap this up. May the pegs be stocked. And the force be with you. Thanks for watching this episode. Oh, wait. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can find pictures of the toys reviewed, chat with other Star Wars collectors, and find hundreds of Star Wars Action News episodes at our website, SWActionNews.com. This podcast is created by Star Wars fans showing their love of Star Wars. We rely on listener support to keep the show going. You can pledge to our Podbean fundraising campaign by going to SWActionNews.com support. Backers get rewards including exclusive video content, early show releases, and more. You can also help out our show by telling your friends to listen by posting on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or in person. We would also greatly appreciate a five-star review written on iTunes. A link to our iTunes feed is at SWActionNews.com. We want your feedback on Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at SWActionNews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at SWActionNews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can also find Star Wars Action News on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. The links to our social media sites are at SWActionNews.com. 
You can also send us your latest store reports, figure reviews, and more. Email us an MP3 or iPhone voice memo at show at SWActionNews.com. All content received is subject for use on the show. If you also enjoy Marvel Comics, you can hear Arnie and Marjorie talk about the toys and statues based on Marvel Comics characters on the Marvelicious Toys podcast at MarveliciousToys.com. Star Wars Action News is always looking for new people to help with the show. You can find a list of skills we need on our blog at VenganzaMedia.com. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, edited, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. Video editing by Barrett, Andrew, and Daryl. Website design by Jason. Graphic design by Jay. Photo editing by Scott and Curtis. Announcements by Brock. Segments created by Andrew, Brock, Daryl, Jerry, Jonathan, Nathan, and Steve. For more Star Wars collecting, check out GalacticHunter.com, JediDefender.com, JediTempleArchives.com, and YakFace.com. And we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. Star Wars and all that the Star Wars universe contains is trademark and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company. All rights reserved. Star Wars Action News is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2018, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting. Hey everybody, happy to be part of the year-end review episode of 2017, or as I like to call it, the ninth episode of 2017. Ouch! <laughs> 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 I, was wow, I was waiting to see how long people would respond to that. Okay, I can give you another intro if you want something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>